Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and for the first time in, I think, close to two months, the full crew is in the show. Not in studio. I was going to say in studio. Irfan's still not in studio, so we blame him for that. But Nick McVicker joined in studio by Kyle Vardy. How you doing, buddy? It's been a while. Uh, it's good to be back, though. Yeah, we missed you. We really did. Yeah. Especially with all the football going on. I figured you'd have a great say. We'll, we'll get into that. But um, And obviously, through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone, Irfan, how's Ottawa? Good. Cold. Usual. Good. Cold. Usual. Keeps it very simple here, folks. Uh, <laughs> below below ten words for the response. Yeah, it was. We should have bet on that. I would have been okay on oh. ten words. Yeah. Some of the prop bets right now are crazy. Oh, well, <coughs> we, we can talk prop bets if you guys want later. But let's uh, yep. let's get this going. And me and Irfan last week talked about the Super Bowl and everything that we expected from this beautiful monstrosity of a game that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle, we need to get your prediction. Niners. Wow, that was easy. Yeah. Everybody, we've been talking to a bunch of people at work and stuff like that, and they all are heavy on the Chiefs. I just think the Niners' defense is just too good, and I think that their offense will put up some points on that Kansas City defense that I think is overrated. I don't think they're really good. So I think they're good. I don't think they're great. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, it'll, it's, it's a weird one because you have this Chiefs offense that have been so, so good. Mm-hmm. And 49ers offense has been really good too this year. Like Jimmy Garoppolo might not have put up crazy numbers, but he managed that team offensively all season. Yeah, he he shows up when he needs to is the biggest thing, right? Yeah. But that I don't know how Kansas City is going to stop that run on like the run offense of the Niners. Yeah. Because like yes, they stopped the Titan or limited the Titans in the running game, but the run game of the Niners is just different. Different. It's it's. it's it was a three-handed monster, but it seems like they've gotten rid of uh, using Breda because I guess he had the fumble issues, so yeah. they kind of took him out. So now it's a two-headed monster, and Coleman just got cleared to play too. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game. I think Irfan, you and me talked about it last week, yeah. but um, I, I still think that Chiefs offense is just so dangerous, so many weapons. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to limit, even with the 49ers defense. Yeah. So it, it it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. Game I, I think they're going to take a. a you know, a page of the playbook of the Patriots, and I think they're going to, which worked right. so well in the playoffs. Well, <laughs> again against Kansas City, it absolutely did. Right, it's like playoffs. It's, no, but it's one of those ones where you take away Tyreek. Yeah. And then you have you're basically going to have Sherman on Watkins, basically. Yeah. You're going to double Tyreek, and you have to make somebody else beat him. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I get what you're saying. Yeah, and like their their linebackers are probably one of the most athletic linebackers in the league, and they can probably not really cover Kelsey, but limit him to yeah what he can do, right? Yeah, so. I mean, 
I get what you're saying. And it's it, again, regardless, I think it's going to be a good, well fought game. But you'd hope so because the last last year's Super Bowl was terrible. So. Oh, last year's Super Bowl was brutal. The last couple have been pretty rough to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah, but it, it'll be good, and I'm excited watching it with my classmates. All of us sports journalism students are going together. So two one Lester. You going to a bar for that one? Uh, yeah, we're going to. Yeah, the pint downtown. So that'll be good. Um, let's get into our kickoff segment because we didn't technically – that was not part of our kickoff. Um, kickoff is brought to you by Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punters in the southern Ontario region. If you are looking for a year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com and follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. So to start this one off, I know obviously there's a lot of news going in the in the news cycle this week. We are going to get to the Kobe Bryant thing. We want to finish that off and do it properly. Um, EPL transfer deadline day. That's that was always fun. Um, as although there was limited movement, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to start. It is the unofficial, officially unofficial midway point of the NHL, with the All Star game last weekend. Yep. Uh, St. Louis put on a great show for what the All Star game is. It's we're not going to get into that. We're not playing that game right now. <laughs> um, but it was because it's the unofficial midway point. I think it'd be fun. Let's go and give our mid-season awards. Mm-hmm. We're going to do five. Hart, uh, Norris, Vesna, Calder, and then the Jack, Jack Adams. Adams. All right, five trophies. I'm assuming it's going to be five different people, but we can debate that if it get, comes up to it. Let's start with the Hart, MVP of the league. Okay? I'm going to let Kyle start with this one. Kyle, who is your MVP of the league? Right now, I'm kind of torn. Um, I, I know McDavid's always up in the conversation, but I think there's actually a better, play in, better player in Edmonton right now, and I think it's Drysaddle. Um, it currently playing, at least. Yep. Maybe not skill-wise or whatever, but currently playing. I believe Drysaddle's the best one right there. Um, but I'm also leaning towards Pasternak just purely because of how much he actually brings to that team and the goal scoring. Um and because Drysaddle and McDavid kind of play off of each other and basically yep. get a point on each other's goal or assist or whatever. Fair enough. Um, so I'm probably actually going to go with Pashnak for the heart for me. You're going Pasta? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Irfan, what about you, buddy? I appreciate that pick there, eh, Kyle? <laughs> um, I think the rationale for Drysaddle is fair, um, but I'm still torn between Drysaddle and McKinnon because I think when Landis Cog and Ratman weren't healthy for the Avs, McKinnon absolutely was the best player on the ice. Um, so I'm, it's a toss-up, but I think I'm going to go Nathan McKinnon for the heart. Okay, see, I appreciate that shout, obviously. I was leaning McKinnon as well, and for the exact reasons that you were saying, Irfan, they lost two superstars or stars in this league for significant amount, significant amounts of time. And they barely missed a beat. And McKinnon went Super Saiyan almost and controlled that team for a long stretch there. 
and kept them not only afloat, but at one point they were first in the division for like three weeks while Landis Gog and Rantanen were out. So if we're talking most valuable player to his team, it, it's hard to argue McKinnon this year. Yes, McDavid is the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in their right mind would argue that, especially with all these, all the stories about his recovery. Like, the guy is superhuman. Mm-hmm. But does that change anything in regards to the most valuable player to his team this year? No, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like if we're talking most valuable to the team, I think Edmonton players kind of got, you know, kicked over the can on this one because, like, you can't say one's more valuable to the team than the other. Exactly, and that's that's the problem is that they're both so good and they both build off yeah. of each other, right? So and, and they're both number one centers, right? So it's not as if you can... Oh, one's a winger versus one's a center. No, they're both centers, and they're both centering their own line. Exactly. So. No, they're leading the. They're leading both lines. So I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean. So basically, what we're saying, trying to say is, it's up for debate because there's multiple yes. multiple players that are in the, the running for potentially uh, being the heart winner. So. Yes, but you know what? We all gave an answer, which is what I appreciate. It's true. <laughs> Irfan. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, when did you not give an answer? Last week. We're talking about soccer. I had a. I was like, no, I need to look at the squad before I make a decision. Oh. So I'm gonna rip him until he gives that answer, and we'll we'll get to that at of some course, point. Of course, just gotta go in a limb and say answer. something. I got one. Um, okay, let's move on. We'll go to Norris now. Um, Irfan, I'll let you start this one. Sure. Um, I paired the Norris and the Calder Trophy in one. I think Cal McCarr has been fantastic this year. Great on the puck, great in the zone. Um, he's going to win. And I know John Carlson's been very good this year, but uh, I think since, is it Bobby Orr, I believe, that won both at the same time? Uh, Cal McCarr is at that level in terms of winning both. Okay, fair enough. Um, although I appreciate your avalanche love today because it's very, very weird. Um, <laughs> you're wrong. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're wrong. It, it's Carlson. It's yeah, it's Carlson, <laughs> without a doubt in my mind. Well, Closest competition might be Roman Yossi because he's done a great job in Nashville. But the, the biggest thing is with the Norris. It's it's not the best defenseman anymore. It's the defenseman that puts up the most points. Exactly. That's always how it is. No, I. I that's agree. why. That's why the other like Eric Carlson won so many like won Norris Trophy because he had the most points. Nobody would ever say in the history of the NHL that he was the best defender in the NHL that year. You're right. Not and, a chance. And, and I agree I agree to that. But the differences between Carlson with a K winning it and now Carlson oh, with no, a C yeah. being there. I actually think Carlson with a C is better defensively no, than and, most players in the league right yeah. now. He's played phenomenal at both ends of the ice. And yes, he happens to be leading this point total mm-hmm. for all defensemen, right? And he's second in goals. Or tied, sorry, t- tied for third because there's two people at 14. When there's one at 15. Who? I thought I saw 15. Somewhere. No, you saw five. No, um, no I oh, saw there 15. Is 15. Yeah, go away. Um, good for good for Wierenski. No, and like <laughs> I, I was, I was actually I listened like the Spit and Chicklets, right? And they had Carlson on this past week. Yeah. And basically, what he was saying is he had to essentially cut his teeth as a shutdown defenseman. And before, a very good one. before becoming like the power play guy, because right, because they had a bunch of people ahead of him. Yeah, Mike Green. Yeah, um, you know, they, well, they Mike were Green. they had Niskanen, they had <laughs> oh, Niskanen. Um, oh, who else did they have? Somebody else. Okay, um, regardless, yes. Yeah, either way, but like, 
basically he wasn't getting power play points and he wasn't getting power play time, which yeah. is essentially what he's now become. He's basically like the, the, the all around play everything sort of person. Exactly. Yeah. And so in my opinion, that's just, he's the all around defenseman this year. And I think because he's putting up those points, it gives him even more of a, a improved resume. Yeah. No, I agree a hundred percent. The fact that he plays 24.41 minutes yeah. is ridiculous as well. He's a plus 18. He's got, he only has 18 pedally minutes to, to add all that all together. Right? Mm-hmm. He has 62 points in 52 games. I'm sorry. Like, again, Irfan, I love the love for Colorado, but yeah, no. You know, no, I, I think it's fair. I just want to see something different and uh, see a, a change in history sort of thing with McCarr. And I, I, th- I think McCarr would probably have had a better chance if he didn't, didn't miss time. Didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Right? He probably would have had a better chance. Yeah. But I mean, unless magically he goes on this tear where he like overtakes Carlson in points, but um, it might not happen because Carlson. I agree with you defensively and moving forward, he's been better than you know Eric Carlson with the K. Yeah, um, and even better than PK Subban when Subban won it. You know what I mean? So um, I don't. Know, I just want to see something different. So that's why I went off the board. No, and I. Yeah. It, <laughs> we, we we appreciate you actually doing something else other than having a unanimous vote, right? So, um, just to put it into perspective, boys, for the Hart Trophy, the Professional Hockey Writers Association releases their midseason awards as well. The Hart they had Connor McDavid at one, Nathan McKinnon at two, David Pasternak at three, mm. which I think all of us can agree to okay. some extent. Yeah. Uh, the Norris they had Carlson, and then Yossi and Dougie Hamilton. Those were their three. Dougie Hamilton's basically done out of that race now. So. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, but but he he was absolutely killing it. Like he, you don't hear much in Carolina about like the players and stuff like that. Oh no, all you hear about is the storm search. But like if you look at his stats, like he was he was doing killing it as he a, was doing work. Yeah. So no, absolutely, he was uh, fifth in points, fourteen goals, twenty six assists, plus thirty. Yeah, mm-hmm. which means he's only been on the ice for. Hold on, you gotta take gotta take power play points out. He was only you know, that doesn't make sense. You don't get a plus for power play points. That's what I mean. So I was taking it out of the point. Oh. Like out of the point whatever. It doesn't <coughs> math. Why well, no, it's it's fine. I we could do the math, but we're not going to. <laughs> he's but he's been he's been a solid player all year and he's yeah. doing what he needs to do for a Carolina team that was supposed to be better and yeah, are slightly underperforming for what we all thought at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that that just comes down to their defense, or not their defense, sorry, their, their goaltending goal and their offense. Right, because Morazic has taken a step back from where he was last year. Still very good. Still very good. Yes, yes. he's been he's been solid for fantasy. But <laughs> Reimer basically had to stand his head as a backup goalie because oh yeah, who knows what was going to happen if he didn't do anything, right? No, I agree. I agree. Um. So. Let's just keep moving backwards. We've done the heart, which is usually forwards. We've done the Norris, which is defenseman. Let's go goaltending. And it is the Vesna Trophy. And, God, I have no idea who's winning this this year. Not a clue. Last year, I, ha- I had a very good idea. I-, I knew what was happening. This year, I could probably name four or five players who could win this one easily. Um, my vote is going to Darcy Kemper. In Arizona, for based off of actual starters, you can debate whether or not um, Ilya Samsonov 
for Washington was a starter for a while there. Um, I'm not going to because I don't think he was. Mm-hmm. Kemper has the se- the highest goals or the best goals against average. He is near the top in save percentage. He's he actually sorry I correct that he is the highest starting goaltender in save percentage with a 9.29 save percentage, two seventeen goals against average. He's got two shutouts. He's fifteen and eight with two overtime losses on an Arizona team that we thought had no defense. Yeah. Right? I give him credit for that. That's it's a very, very tough position to be put in, and he's do- he stood on his head and got them right now into a playoff spot, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, or one point back or something, because that division is stupid. Yeah, they're in the second wild card spot. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, good for him. He's done what he needed to do, and... I give him the Vesno right now by like the slimmest of margins. Cal, mm-hmm. I think the only thing that's gonna hurt Kemper is the fact that he's still out. He was supposed to come back after the All Star break, no, but I he's agree. still out. I agree. Um, which I think eventually could hurt him potentially. Yep. And who knows? He might come back and his stats may fall. Right. So that's absolutely thing. no. I I agree um, with you. Uh, I would <laughs> if you asked me this question about two or three weeks ago, I probably would have said Hellebuck. But he has been god awful recently, so um, I would. As much as I don't like giving it to the same guy again, I have to put Vasilevsky's name in there, purely because of what he brings to that team, and how on any good night he can stand on his head. Um, it's probably who I would go with, just because I think he's going to continue it and keep it up. Um, a dark horse for me would be Tristan Jari. He was my second, actually. Um, because I think Matt Murray's kind of fallen out of grace in Pittsburgh, and I think if Jari can continue how he's doing, um, he basically becomes the starter, and I think he would uh, definitely have his name in the running for the Vesna. Yeah, I, I had Jari as my number two right now. Um, whether or not that's fair. Cause he's played more games than Kemper, technically, so... I guess it's in the same boat. All right, Irfan, you are up, my friend. Um, I'm going Tuukka Rask because I've seen him play this year. Um, that's that's the reason behind the choice. That's, that's my reason. No, um, <laughs> no, but I've seen like I've seen him play. I've, I've seen him play in real life. No, uh, um, I'm picking Tuukka only because, like, yeah, Darcy Kemper uh, was my was the the deciding factor for me only because well he's missing games this year. Um, and Tuca missed some games, but I think Tuca's been really good to steal games for the Bruins, even though we suck in the shootout. But um, yes, you do. I, I we oh, fuck man, I want to get rid of it. Um, <laughs> Just ask Marshawn; I'm sure he's with you on that one. Oh, I think so too. <laughs> um, no, but I'm going Tuca. He battles every night. He was fantastic yesterday. He's he's just been like when the Boston defense falls asleep a little bit or the offense can't get going. Tuca's been for me um, our MVP. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a fair shake. You could also throw Hellebuck, or sorry, not Hellebuck, uh, Halak in there as like a one-two yeah. sort of thing. Yara's been good, but he's had mental lapses Yeah. Um, for most of the year. Uh, I don't remember what game it was, but he, he keeps leaving his net, and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, A couple other names to throw out there as possibly sneaking into the conversation. I could I could see uh, Corpusalo if he comes back and takes over again mm-hmm. 
and plays at the level he was or even better, he could sneak into the conversation. I don't think he's there right now. Don't don't get me wrong. No, it honestly all depends if he comes back and becomes the starter again. Right. Or if they go uh, with a rotation. Elvis. Uh, ben Bishop as well for yep. Dallas. What he's done has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop and Hellebuck, I think, are the other two that you could really talk about. Yeah. Right? Because Hellebuck has a – he's at a, a slow spurt right now. Yeah. But if he picks up to back where he was, then he would just right up there in the conversation. I have another – Maybe a dark horse, and it might be Toronto bias. But does Freddie Anderson get any recognition for what he's done, considering that the backups couldn't get a win for the first ten times they played this year? His goals against average is too high, just because how how they play, right? Because mm-hmm. they're a running gun. Yeah, and yeah. his save percentage just isn't as high as it should be. Right? That's fair. I just was wondering because of how bad the team plays in front of the backups, if, if he gets a little bit of extra recognition because the team isn't defensively sound. No, I, I don't think I don't think they really take that into a factor. To be honest, that's fair. Um, no. I think the only way he could potentially be in the conversation is if they go on an absolute tear and somehow climb the standings like crazy. Yeah, but, that's fair. No, I, and that's um, why I, that's why I wanted to talk. And yeah. I figured I would talk. Bring it up in the conversation. I guess the other dark horse you could potentially look at would be Samsonov because it looks like Holpe's falling off a cliff Yeah. Um, when it comes to goaltending. So if Samsonov takes over as the full-time, yep. um, especially with them having the best record in the NHL, yeah, that could uh, play a factor into his... Uh, For sure. Recognition. Mm-hmm. For sure. By the way, anyone surprised by Bobrovsky falling off a cliff? Nope. Nope. Good answer. Um PWHA had Hellebuck as one, Bishop as two, and Kemper as three as their goalies uh, for the Vesna Trophy. Um, this was January 22nd, so it wasn't too long ago. Yeah, so it was a week ago. Yeah. So, there's that. Uh, moving on, let's go to the Calder. We already know who Irfan picked. Kyle, you're up. It's it's Makar for me. I think Quinn Hughes is behind him, but I don't think it's that close, to be honest. I think it's closer now. Than it was before Makar got hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's got to be Makar. Not only is he, I mean, Quinn Hughes actually has more power play points mm-hmm. now. Whether or not that's because the Vancouver power play is trash and he's the only one who can do anything on that power play other than Pedersen. Yeah. That's an argument. Whereas Colorado has, you know. Landis Granton and McKinnon. <laughs> yeah. They, got the list, they have yeah. a they have a list of people. But you look at the overall numbers. He's got the most points. He's he's shooting at a twelve point eight percent clip for a defenseman. That's solid. Like you don't get that from defensemen very often. No, that that that's high, which you could potentially think that there may be regression there in, in certain cases then. Yes, but he's also not shooting much. He only he only has eighty six shots this year. Yeah. Through 41 games. It's not a lot. Like, mm-hmm. And he's shooting at 12%. Yeah. Almost 13. That's very, very good. Yeah. He has, I think he's tied for the second most even strength points. Yeah. He's tied for the second most even strength points among all defensemen. Or all, sorry, all rookies. Mm-hmm. With Ilya Mikhaev of the Leafs Mar- and Martin Nekis of Col- uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. Right, he has more even strength points than Victor Olafson of the Sabers. Right, the only one who has more than him is Dominic Kubalik, who I think sneaks into the conversation as third. Yeah, between him and Olafson, they're the two that I think could be considered as the third in the running behind Makar and uh, Hughes. But yep. it's got to be Makar right now. 
and the ease at which he plays the game is unbelievable. Like, well, his hockey IQ is fantastic. You're, like, he's taking 86 shots, but he's been selective with his shots. Exactly. And he plays over 20 minutes a game for a rookie. Well, it also helps yeah. that he's on a good team, too. Um, mm-hmm. So that plus-minus helps out as well, right? Because what? I love Colorado. I I don't think they're a great team yet. <laughs> our our, for, team. our forwards are... <laughs> our forwards are... <laughs> I After said, the top two I said, lines. I said a good team. I didn't think great team. Like, Vancouver is Dog. They're Shit. top in their division, though, which is sad. I think that also plays into the fact that that division is in a, in a changing of the guard sort of thing. So you look at that division and you have Vancouver, young. Edmonton, young. Calgary, a little bit older. Arizona, young. Vegas... Vegas is really the veteran team in that division. Yeah. Which sounds stupid because they've only been around for two years. Um, but the rest of that division, when you actually look at it, I'm going to pull up the division instead of the wild card because that's not helpful. San Jose, Anaheim, and Los Angeles, who have dominated the division for so long. Yeah, that are they're all old. older now and have to rebuild. They're old. It's a changing of the guard. So, yes, Vancouver is in the in the lead in the division by two points, by the way, heading into Saturday's action, which is great. I just don't see a whole lot. Like they're they're young. You said it's very easy to say that. I just I just love how Calgary's third in division, but they're minus twelve in goal differential. <laughs> yeah, how does that happen? By the way, because they sucked under Bill Peters. And by the way, I, I I know you were saying that Colorado defensively. You and I've been saying it. Like we didn't know what they were going to be. Yeah. They're second in the league in uh, goal differential. Yeah. Well, like the Which biggest is crazy. You know, and the biggest thing is like I said at the beginning of the year was goaltending, right? Yes, and they've got it. They've got it, and that's that's the thing. <laughs> but it they've been hit with injuries, which hurts. Um, so we'll see how they finish out the year because they're eight point back, eight points back of St. Louis. They but have they got three th- games at hand. Three games at hand, but that's not necessarily guaranteed three wins, right? So, no. but they're they're uh, they're playing well, and they're, they'll figure it out hopefully. And they'll I see them in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, think. like unless Nashville comes out of nowhere and passes them in Dallas, I. I I can't see them being missing the playoffs. No, like they'd they'd have to absolutely collapse in order yeah. to miss it. Wow, we got sidetracked there. Yeah. Um, so we're all in agreement. Makar, Calder, yes. yep. very simple. Uh, PHWA agree with us. Makar, Hughes, and they have Olafs in his third. Yeah, who I'm fine with. That's it's totally okay. Um, Coach of the year, Jack Adams. Irfan, you're going to start this bad boy off. Who do you have as your Jack Adams Award winner, my friend? Uh, I narrowed it down to three coaches. <laughs> That's no, three. we're not we're hold not on, playing hold this on, game. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not telling you my three. I'm going to tell you my winner. Okay. I think I think it's Paul Maurice only because of that depleted defense. How consistent? I'm going to air quote it because the last couple of weeks have been eh, but uh, all around. I thought they're going to be bottom dwellers without their defense. We didn't know what Hellebuck's going to be, um, but you know they're not playing poorly. He ended up splitting up Mark, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler for a little bit, and that worked out really well. Um, so I'm going to go Paul Maurice just because he's had a little bit more adversity to deal with compared to the other two that I had written down. But okay, I get that. Um... I think I might go off the board here, and I know we talked about Vancouver and them struggling. 
I think Travis Green has to get consideration. Because yep. no one thought Vancouver would be fighting for a playoff spot this year. Yeah. Maybe I at mean, most a second wild card. And they're not only in the playoffs, they're leading their division. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't see that, but I did see them squeaking in. Okay, you had them squeaking in. We didn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I didn't even have them close to the playoffs in my head. No, I, I had them being like, you know, a surprising team, but um, I've always been a huge doubter of Markstrom, and he's kind of turned that around this year, and he's become he the like goalie that Vancouver has needed. He looks like a legitimate so, number one. Yeah. Like so, he was supposed to be four years ago. And so I know it's not actually. If four Green years, gets credit for that and gets credit for bringing them back and being a super young team, as we said, I, I can definitely see him getting consideration for sure. So I'm going to go with Travis Green. Yeah. But I don't. I, I, I also don't think he'll win it in the end. But for midseason, he gets my vote. All right, you're up, Kyle. I'm, I'm going to go. The uh, at least in my mind, the obvious one is Todd Reardon from uh, for uh, Washington. Um, they've just been an elite team, and even with Trotz leaving a couple years ago, and he's taken over, he's kept them at the top of the standings. He's kept up defensively. Um, you could argue for Pittsburgh coach as well, based yeah, Mike on Mike Sullivan. Yep. Yeah, based mm-hmm. on the injuries they've had and how. Their team has continued to find success even without Crosby, without who else are they missing? Um, Malkin missed some time. Malkin, Malkin missed some time. Who's there? Oh, Getzheim. Yeah. And then with basically them losing a starting goalie because Matt Murray just has not been good. Yeah. Right? So you could definitely argue for him as well. So. No, I agree. And I think um, it's one of those ones where we don't hear a whole lot about the um, the Jack Adams until the end of the year when the trophies are being handed out. Like we don't really think about it. Yeah. So it's always the hardest for us to do that. But you look at it, and you could also make an argument that Tortorella deserves some credit for what he's doing in yeah. Columbus right now. Right? They True. lost. They lost all of the big names in free agency. Yeah, they lost their top top player, and they lost their top goalie. So right. And they're still doing well. Yeah. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's debatable. I always struggle with the Jack Adams. Uh, professional hockey writers had Mike Sullivan like you, Kyle. Yeah. They had Tortorella as two, and then they had okay. Craig Berube. Okay. Interesting. I argue with Craig Berube just because, you know, he's, they, they won the cup last year. Yeah, but they won the cup from coming down I know, but last place in January. No, I know, but that means he already had a system in place. Last year is what I'm saying. I like, guess like yeah. he took over last year. They had a system in place, mm-hmm. and they're just carrying it over, as opposed to like, I truly think Travis Green this year had to change his entire philosophy and put True. in a new system. Right? Well, you could argue half the NHL had to do that too because everybody got fired. Yes, that's that is an argument, and um, Quenville in Florida deserves a little bit of credit too, considering that team decided to stop playing at the beginning of the year and then figure it out. Well, they. Florida's been great for my betting because I take the over every time they play. So, because they <laughs> score at least four. So yeah. So, um, that's it, boys. That's all five. Good job. That'll do it for our uh, kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with Canada Kicking Academy. 
If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with CKA. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com and follow them on Instagram at CanadaKickingAcademy. Let's move on. Obviously, we still have a lot to talk about, but let's move on to the EPL. And transfer deadline day has come and passed, and nothing happened really. (laughs) Really. There was a couple moves, and I was surprised by uh, a few of them. Lots Uh, of rumors, though. Lots of rumors. Well, there's always lots of rumors. Um, United had technically three signings yesterday. Or I shouldn't say yesterday. Deadline day, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, They picked up Bruno Fernandes, which was rumored since, you know, the summer. Six months ago. (laughs) Uh, They finally got that signature on a a five-and-a-half-year contract. So they have another five years of him after. Mm -hmm. Great signing for United. I think that'll be a very good piece in the midfield, especially with the injuries to Pogba and McTominay. You get that solid piece in the midfield to sort of run stuff. Again, I don't think it's enough, but it's, it's a step in the right direction finally for United. Yeah. Um, also picked up a 20-year-old keeper who I cannot remember the name of for my life right now. And it's going to bug me. So I'll, I'll have to find that. Um, and then they finished off the day with a absolute surprise. Oh, there it is. Nathan Bishop. 20-year-old English keeper from South End United on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Never heard of him before. So, uh, I'm sure Kieran and Luke, if they're listening, they can try to fill us in on Twitter because I haven't heard of him. But if he's being signed for a two-and-a-half-year deal, that's usually a good thing. Uh, maybe they're looking for the next. Yeah, it means there's promise and they, yeah. they see something and another willing to take a yeah. chance on him. So we'll see how that works out. And then at the end of the day, with time running out on the proverbial transfer deadline clock, mm-hmm. United managed to actually get a striker. I couldn't believe it, but they pipped um, Odion Igalo from, I believe it was uh, Chinese club Shanghai Shenhua. He's a 30-year-old striker. He used to play at Watford. Um, He's experienced, and that's really the, the key here is that he's not coming in to take Rashford's spot. No, he's right, they're not. He's not a young guy coming in to try to steal the spot. He's he's a place filler. Yeah, right he's now. he's filling in and plays backs basically. Essentially, that's, that's really what it is. Um, yeah. So that was that was transfer deadline day um, for United. Let's see who else do we want to talk? About? Let's let's talk about your Chelsea there, buddy. You guys didn't bring a single player in. No. Rough. Well, they they never. They were talking about briefly bringing people in, but mostly it was just getting rid of people that aren't playing right now. Yeah, so, so they sent out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players out on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest name, probably Danny Drinkwater. Mm-hmm. Maybe Mark Gay, but Danny Drinkwater for sure. Um, and they sold Tariq Lamptey to Brighton Hove Albion, which I was a little surprised by. Um, some of the other big teams... Arsenal brought in two players on loan and got rid of six players on loan. <laughs> no real big names in there, from no. my opinion. Maybe Cedric Suarez. Uh, he's played really well for Southampton this year. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that works out. Uh, next big team on the list, Leicester. I guess they didn't really do a whole lot either. No. 
Liverpool picked up uh, Takumi Minamino from Salzburg, yeah. which I think that's a huge pickup, like an underratedly huge pickup. Um, Very good player. They sent out Nathaniel Phillips on loan to Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. That'll be that's their big outgoing player, but that's not really anything either. Uh, City loaned out four players, got rid of two more. Not a name in there that's really concerning. Maybe Angelino. You went out on loan to Red Bull Leipzig. Yeah. I did the United guys. We got rid of Young, which was huge. <laughs> For one point five, maybe. I don't. I don't care. He's gone. He can't play anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. Fantastic. I was like, oh great. It's wonderful. I was like, oh Young's leaving. Does that mean Jones is next? No. He won't leave, and I don't know why, and it pisses me off. <laughs> That'd be too easy. Sign that new contract. Nobody mm. wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole. Mm. Tired of him. I want him gone. Um, Tottenham brought in Gedson Fernandez, which will be big if that lasts. It's mm-hmm. obviously just alone right now. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso is also a decent pickup, I think, for them. Yeah, they made it official and then moved Erickson out. Yes, so Christian Eriksen is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Rose is on loan at Newcastle. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't. It makes no sense to me for a team that defensively keeps letting goals in. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't get it. So, I like think... if anybody that should have left was Serge Aurier, if you're looking at yeah a weaker defensive part, but no. um, other than that, uh, João Pedro coming into Watford is. Sort of a big name. A little older, but good piece for them. I don't really see a oh, whole lot uh, else. Aston Villa signed Tanzanian striker Ali Samada, which is a good pickup for a guy who knows how to find the back of net and for a team battling in the in the bottom. Mabwani Samada. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ali Samada. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was kind of like a disappointing transfer window because... There was, you know, all these rumors that Bale was coming back to Tottenham and yeah. Bale was going to United, Bale was going to Chelsea, Bale, Bale was going Bale to was Arsenal, going Bale was going to England. That's really what I heard. Bale was going somewhere yeah. and then just nothing. And Pogba's leaving and there was yeah. a huge list of players that well, were Well, like, Pogba's hurt, so he was never going to go in the January transfer no. window. I, I knew that. Regardless, if he wants to but go, he rumor, wants to go. But, but that rumor was still there. So yes. Yeah. I guess. But everyone kind of knew that that wasn't actually a thing because he's hurt. He wasn't going anywhere. No. Sit, make your money. Don't do anything. Um, doesn't change a whole lot in the race for Europe, I don't think. Like, no no moves are going to tilt the scales in any way. I was say, nobody's touching Liverpool. Well, I wasn't worried about <laughs> Liverpool. I didn't say first. I said for Europe. Oh. Well. Not for England. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool has this pretty much sewn up. We talked about it last week. They, the game that they can clinch if they win out. Is the game that they play City in eight weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which will be hilarious. Um, They're just too good. They're also my pick for Champions League because I just think they're too good. But regardless. I also love seeing Arsenal in 10th. <laughs> it's, it's so petty of me. But <laughs> I'd like to see Chelsea down there, but they're actually playing well. Well, they just drew today. So. Did they? Yeah, they just drew oh, to Leicester. Well, Leicester's not a bad team to draw draw to. United play Wolves later today. That'll be interesting. 
Um, your thoughts on the Premier League? Because we, we, you missed a conversation last week. so I just... I, I've been following it off and on, but for me, it's just what I've seen is Liverpool is just on another level. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's astounding that even if they, you know, maybe go down in a game or they're tied in a game or whatever, they always find a way to somehow get a late goal or something and come back and crawl back and just, and then shut it down. Yeah. Right. They go up and shut it down. Well, it's it's hard even to say that they go down in games because they really don't. They've only given up 15 goals this year. No, but like if they go to, if, if they go down early, right? Like it goes yeah. down like no, I know. You know I'm just saying one nothing early, and then it's all of a sudden, oh yeah, it's four one final, and they shut it down after like yeah, ten minutes. Absolutely. You're like, okay. I think the biggest surprise for me this year is uh, City with five losses. Yeah. Mm. On well, honestly, the biggest surprise I think is Leicester being up in third. Everybody expected them to be top half of the standings, but I don't think people expect them to be third. No, people had them fighting for sixth or seventh. That's what I'm saying. So like you like you're looking at like you know. If they were anywhere from four or five, you know, four to seven, people would be okay. Pretty yeah, good. That's They're pretty third. good. But th- like when you everyone drop had that, Tottenham yeah. third. When you everyone dr- had Tottenham. Yeah, third. and when you drop in, when you jump into that top three, it's just a whole different realm of where you actually are. And right? can we take in there? Right now, they're two points back of City. City has a game in yeah. hand. Um, if this was any other year, and Liverpool wasn't on this historic run that they're on, mm-hmm. right, and they were within five points of City, let's say. Yeah. Leicester is within reach of the title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. No one expected that. I, I love Leicester, by the way. I think they're I think the way they play the game is very, very pretty. But they they're not there's not a whole lot to them. Right? They they do what they need to do, they get the wins. They've lost six games, but they're they're within reach of City for second. Yeah. Well and the biggest thing is that they've separated themselves from fourth, right? They're eight, yeah. eight points clear of Chelsea at four, yeah. and then Chelsea's seven points clear of Man U at five. So, like, yeah, with a game in hand, United has yeah. so that they, it could but, drop down to. But four. they're fifteen points clear right now of fifth place. Yes, which is crazy to think of that they're then twenty-one points behind Liverpool for first. Yeah. So it's like. That's <laughs> the anomaly. It's the outlier here. It, it's crazy. Like, like the top three are the top three right now, and no, no, no. It's it's the top one. Sorry, top one, and then the then top there's top two, one. three, and then there's four by four, itself. and then five, six, seven are all basically t- together with one point. So. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could even go all the way down, like all the way down to fourteenth. There's four points four separating points, yeah. fifth and fourteenth. Which if you if you go on a little losing streak and you're you know like four to se- seven, you l- lose a couple games, you're potentially going all the way down to fourteenth. Yeah. <laughs> but that is, also means that if you're in fourteenth, you have a chance of being in the top. Half yeah, exactly. Like win, Newcastle, like nobody. It, if they win a couple games, Newcastle, and they jump up to like eighth, you'd be like, okay, why are they there? Like they yeah. should not be that high. <laughs> and then the crazy thing yeah. is like fifteen to nineteen is separated by two points. Yeah. yeah. So like any of those teams could potentially being relegation. And then there's, you know, lowly Norwich. Norwich. Great jerseys, though. They started off the year so hot, too. Yeah, yeah Pookie. Timu Pookie was Pookie. on fire. Now he's forgot how to score. Done, so he's, done. he's come back down to earth where he's supposed yeah. to be? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been an interesting year in the EPL, I think. I just, I honestly, 
I just want to see Liverpool lose once and see who does it. That's all I want to see. <laughs> as much as like I'm impartial, I kind of want them to go. Well, clean, I was gonna say but... as as much as the perfect like near perfect season would be, you know, great to see. Yeah, well, I think uh, if they do a deep run in Champions League, then there's a chance they they sit players in a league game leading up to a Champions League match. So there, there's a possibility for a loss, and it's going to have to come against a good team because even the backups right now are playing lights out for Liverpool, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, like if they're going to rest anybody, it's not gonna, like, they'll rest them against the bottom ten teams rather than like exactly. the top five or whatever. Right? Exactly. So, so. Mm-hmm. I mean top 14. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> top 14. Sorry, I have to make the joke. It's just too easy. It's right there. Um, all right. Well, I'm glad we got you in on that because you are, you are a soccer guy, to some degree. To some degree, yeah. To to some degree. Um, okay, I think it's it's time, boys. We got to move on to Kobe. Um, nine people lost their lives in a tragic helicopter crash last Sunday. Mm-hmm. We've had all week to sort of process it. Um, before we get into that, I do want to say. Thank you to the media who have covered it and the headlines aren't just Kobe dies in helicopter crash because, as I said, there were nine lives lost last Sunday. Yes, Kobe Bryant is obviously... It is a story because it is Kobe Bryant. But to eliminate those other eight names or seven names because a lot of people were including Gigi um, is wrong. So thank you to the media outlets who have covered it properly. It, it does mean a lot. Yeah, and like you think about it, it's the, the headlines of the first three or four hours where Kobe dies in helicopter crash, and then all of a sudden it was, oh, his daughter's in there as well. Yeah. And then it's, oh, by the way, there's you know seven other people that were on that helicopter. Well, what threw me off is that... The, the one thing I'm going to say bad about the media is that people tried to get the news out too fast and got the, got it wrong. Well, yeah, yeah, there was news articles that were saying you know all four Kobe do- daughters died in that crash, yeah. and it was like and Rick then, Fox and was, was dead. Rick Fox was dead apparently yeah. too, and like all of his family was freaking out. So it was just I I honestly I hate TMZ for this this kind of stuff. Just because they have to be the first ones to break it, and who knows if it's actually factual or not, but they just want to break the story. Yeah. Um, so. so to give them all the recognition that they deserve in this tragic time, I'm going to just read off the names quickly if you guys are okay with that. Yep. Um, obviously, we know Kobe and Gianna, and we'll get into the whole Kobe legacy and all that. Um, OCC head baseball coach John... Altobelli, his wife Carrie, and their basketball playing daughter Alyssa were also on the helicopter. Um, the coach of that basketball team, or one of the coaches of the basketball team, Sarah uh, Chester and her daughter Peyton. Or sorry, I'm a, I apologize. I was just a, uh, Sarah and Peyton were just a mother and daughter from the team. Mamba basketball coach Christina Mauser. I hope I said that right. I've been listening to it all week, and people keep pronouncing it differently. And then the pilot, Ara Zobanya. Mm-hmm. Nine people lost their lives. Yep. And they shouldn't have been put in the situation in the first place. So. Yes, there's a lot going around that. And the investigation is going to be very interesting to see what comes out of that. Yeah, um, they're, they're saying it's going to take a year and a half. I'm like, they usually do. Wow. No, they usually do. Yeah. So I, I get that. It, that's not something that's odd in my mind. Yeah. Um, 
I want to talk about the impact initially. And we were all in different places at the time, obviously. I was I was at work yeah. when I found out. I worked 9.30 to 6.30 on Sunday. So I didn't get a whole lot of information as it was coming out. But I was at the front desk of the gym. And my buddy who works at the front desk, he just pulled me aside. He's like, did you hear? And I'm just like, did I hear what? Like, what are you talking about? What happened in the club that I need to know? Yeah. And then he pulls me up to the computer and he, he just shows me the TMZ article. And I'm just like, I need proof. Like, don't, yeah. uh, it's TMZ. And then the next one was Daily Mail. And I'm like, no, I need proof. But then it like, obviously it was proven. Yeah. The next thing I thought about, and I thought about Doc Holliday. Because all I saw, the, the headlines at that point hadn't come out with other people on the helicopter all it said was kobe bryant died in helicopter crash and i knew that kobe had his pilot license for helicopters i did know that so i thought oh my god that's another person who was flying and crashed by themselves another high profile athlete and i was just in shock i had to run a birthday party after that it was it was tough yeah and I'm not a huge basketball fan. Like, basketball is probably my sixth or seventh sport on my list, right? But the legacy of Kobe and everything that Kobe stood for as an NBA player is hard to argue. It's hard to put into perspective what he did as a player. And there's lots that happened off the court, especially in his younger years, yep. that needs to also be talked about. And, and there were there were a few people that talked about that, but it was one of those. It's not the time and place for it. Uh, I will argue that. I, I, only because Kobe Bryant's legacy is massive. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Okay, and what he did on the court was astronomical. One of the top players of all time, probably the smartest basketball player of all time. Yeah. But we were celebrating. People were celebrating him like a god. And there, there's a person in this world who, for the last, I think it's almost been 15 years or something, has dealt with what Kobe did to her. And she got $2 million for it. Yeah, but I, I understand that. Yeah. I, I get that. But that's still an emotional and a mental strain every time. And now she's seeing people celebrating this guy's life. Yeah, and it, well, the, only, the only thing is, is like it's one of those, sure... You I'm know, not saying you have to talk about it. No, depth. but it's one of those, you don't talk about it a day after the guy died, right? No. The, but then the, it gets lost. No, but the one chick in Seattle reported and got suspended from her job for it. Yes, and right? that's because of how she did it. No, I know, but it's one of those, like, like I, I, every, everybody has their problems, right? Nobody in the history of the world has been perfect. There's yeah. been allegations against everybody yeah, or of course. whatever it may be, right? But it's one of those... He learned from that. He then went on to become a mentor, a father. Of course. And his legacy off the court was probably equal to his legacy on the court. And it was the fact that people were focusing on the little things that happened, you know, years ago. No, that of course I, you have to touch on. But like, that's that's like, my point is, I think you need to touch on it so that you can understand the true impact of his legacy. But people didn't touch on it; they they were dwelling on it I and agree. like focusing on it and making it a I, focal point. Right? I agree. Yeah. I I agree with that one hundred percent. My my comment is that it needs to be touched on. It doesn't yeah. need to be forgotten, right? Yeah. And that's where I was. 
it's a tough spot. And trust me, we talked about this as a sports journalism program. We talked about this agnosium over and over and over and over and over and over and over again for three days. It was all we talked about in class. Mostly because we had different props every day and they wanted to talk about it with us and <laughs> we got different perspectives and it was, no, but it was good. Yeah. And this was one of the things that we talked about and there was some people who argued that it needed to be the main focal point and a lot of people argued that it, some people didn't think it should needed to be said at all. I think there needs to be a ground where it has to be mentioned mm-hmm. so that you can understand the depth of Kobe as a person, not just a basketball player. And that's why I think it needed to be mentioned. Not yeah. focused on, not the main focal point of a report, but has to be talked about. Yeah. Um, we can move on from that, though. We've mentioned it now. We don't have to move any further. Uh, Irfan, wh- what did you think when you first heard the news? Well, I men- Well, I messaged you first, right? Well, one of yes. the people I messaged, and then yes. I messaged a buddy of mine who's a huge Lakers fan. Um, and then I messaged another one of my friends who's a huge Kobe fan to be like, hey, did you guys hear about it? Because it's TMZ. That's not always the best source or the most reliable source. Um, I just need I just need answers to know if this is true because I got that update within two minutes of the article popping up and I yes. went, okay. I don't know if I believe this. And I texted you going, Kobe Bryant dead question mark because or died question I think, mark I think you said, uh, the, the words I believe were dude, comma, oh, yeah. Kobe dead question okay. mark. Yeah, so... And I, I was at work, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, but get on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I did, and I narrowed it down, and I kind of just waited for a reliable source to go ahead and uh, confirm it, and when the LA Times was like, hold up, we're looking into it, and then they followed it up 20 minutes later with the official yeah. message, and then um, Adrian Wojnowski did it. I was like, okay, now it's sort of sinking in. Um, but for a guy who's you know, you take that big shot and you yell Kobe. It, it's something that makes you speechless for a very long time, and you don't want to believe it. And it's like, like you said, Nick, it's that Doc situation where when that happened to Doc, I was just like, I don't, I don't believe this. I don't. I was just in a state of shock, but I was also trying to find out if it really did happen. So that was my couple of hours on Sunday when that news broke. Yeah, no, it was one of those because I, I was driving home from uh, Peterborough at the time. And I got the news and I'm like, there's no way. Like, he literally sent out a tweet last night of, like, mm-hmm. like congratulating LeBron on passing him and, like, had the whole, like, they talked apparently and everything like that. And That morning. It, it was, you know, it was a milestone, right? And then all of a sudden, literally the next day, and it's like, wait, what? Like yeah, it was it was, it was it just was such weird. Timing. It was complete shock because like it's literally like tw- basically twelve hours later after all this stuff happened that it was like mm-hmm. yeah he's 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 dead. It's like wow. Yeah, it, it was a very weird way of passing the torch. Yeah, how I saw that night going. Um, and, and it's it's ominous because like literally the last tweet he sent out was congratulating LeBron on passing him, mm-hmm. and it was just like that's the last thing he's ever going to like put out there for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was just crazy. It's, it's tough. And uh, that was the second thing. That's the thing that I talked to both of you guys about was the timing was just incredible. Mm-hmm. I think is the best word to describe the timing in that the night before LeBron passes him, Kobe sends out the tweet that morning. Apparently he talked to LeBron over the phone 
you see Sharif O'Neal, Shaq's son, has text messages from that morning from Kobe yeah. that he hadn't responded to yet. He sent that out in a tweet. Just like the timing of everything was just incredible. Like, how do you not, how does it not send a shiver down your spine when you hear yeah. everything that happened? Yeah. And it's just one of those, like, I don't, I don't mean to like, you know, like hate on people that, you know, are no longer with us and stuff like that, but it's like, they should never have been put in that place in the first place. Like they should no. never have been put that in a situation. Um, every, basically every helicopter and everything in the area was, you know, grounded because it was not safe to fly. Well, it's funny though. When they took off, it was clear. No, I know, but they, it was basically what I, what I was reading was that, and like any helicopters were basically yeah. grounded yeah, because they were. of the I know. impending I fog. I agree. I understand that. And especially with that helicopter that they were on was not even suitable to actually go if anything happened, like if there's any sort of change in the situations. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just one of those like, like although you're like, uh, you know, you have a huge legacy and stuff like that, there's, there's people on there that are just normal everyday people, not huge legacy basketball stars or anything like that. And it's just, it's just one of those situations like they should never have been put in that situation in the first place. And it's, it's horrible to say and horrible that it happened because it's one of those like they could still be with us if they just waited, you know, they waited an hour or two to, for the fog to pass or whatever it may yeah. be. Right. Who knows what the situation was and who talked who into actually leaving or what it was, but yeah. Well, the thing, like, you can talk about that, about the leaving part, or you can talk about the air traffic control at the airport that they were trying to land at, not telling them to go to another airport that's outside of the fog. Like, there's there's multiple different ways this possibly could be avoided, but we we don't know what happened. We we were not in the situation, right? So it's so hard to try to pick apart the decisions and what ended up happening at this point because we we weren't there we don't know the conversations that were being had and we never will (laughs) you know the other thing that we don't know kobe could have been flying too right he he is a pilot there's two there's two pilot seats in that helicopter he could have been flying at one point um obviously ara could have been flying at any point um we know at the end kobe was holding his daughter it's sort of been reported that way i don't i don't know how they've proven that that's that's the way things have been yeah. reported. Um, like, there's so much that could have gone into this, yep. and I think instead of trying to focus on why it happened, what caused it to happen, we need to focus on the lives. and And it's tough. And you say like Kobe was the obviously the big name, but John Altabelli was not like Joe Schmo from around the corner. Guy was a no. Guy was a decorated baseball coach. Won the, I believe it's the uh, California, what is it, hold on, California State Junior College title four straight, or four times, um, coached, I believe, uh, Judge at OCC. Um, like, there's, there's so much that you can learn about these people, and it's tough, like, it, it really is tough just to think about everything that happened. Yeah. But I, as you said, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, these other people that were involved in the crash are getting recognition Absolutely. now of, you know, they were there too. It's not just Kobe and his daughter. 
which no, not taking anything away from Kobe and his daughter, but these other people deserve to have their lives celebrated as well, 100%. and recognition that you know they're no longer with us and that they have a legacy to live as well. So and like even yesterday with uh, I got to stop saying yesterday, but when LeBron did the um, the speech before the Laker game, yeah, he started off by reading the names of the nine people. Yeah. Now he read them. The other seven, and then Kobe and Gianna. Come find one. Yeah. He could have done it in any order. Could have gone alphabetical, which is how it was up on the Jumbotron. Mm -hmm. But he went seven, Kobe, Gianna. Yeah. And I get that. That's that's who he wanted to talk about. That's who he was going to talk about. And his words were beautiful. Yeah. LeBron, for everything that he is as a basketball player, is probably one of the most well-spoken athletes around right now. You don't find many who can encompass everything that he does in the world of in the world period I can't even say in the world of yeah in the sports world basically he uh he was hurting yeah NBA was hurting I I think majority of like LA was just in shock for like basically the entire week yeah right like it was one of those like they cancelled the Clippers Lakers game because it was just one of those right yeah, there was no chance they were playing that game. And if they were playing that game, you think people were going to be focused on the game? Not a chance. In the back of their head, it's going to be, did that actually just happen? Like, am I living in real life right now? Yeah. So. Um, I give kudos to the NBA for not canceling games on Sunday mm-hmm. because at the time it was sort of tough to know whether or not the stories were true. Um, as much as the news was coming out slowly and surely, they, they, did, they handled it in probably the best way possible for the association mm-hmm. as tough as it is they did everything right um, the tributes that have been going out across the league and across basketball in general have been very very well done uh, I don't know if you saw the Raptors game against the Hawks when the Hawks got to 81 points they lit up the scoreboard in purple Yeah, for Kobe's 81 point game 24-second violations, 8-second violations across the league. Everything they've done to honor, again, I'm going to keep going back to it, probably the smartest basketball player we've ever seen grace this earth. And I think for a while, the league is going to be in shock. And I think until... I don't even know when the shock will wear off, but you know players are now playing for Kobe. You see it across the league. There's been players changing their numbers to honor Kobe. Players who ha- are wearing their wearing his number aren't going to change, that don't want to change it because they want to honor Kobe. Yeah. Every player is going to do it differently, right? Yeah, there, there's some people that are combining his number with Gianna's number and doing all that kind of stuff yeah. that honors them both. And I think the next big step for getting... You know, not, not getting past, but getting over the shock factor is going to be the Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, because I, that is going to be rough. Yeah, it's one of those. And and Shaq said it when he was on air was they're not going to be able to make jokes at at the Hall of Fame inductions like they normally do, saying, "Oh, well, we could have had eight or nine championships, but you know, you kept the ball for too long, right?" But it, you, you can't make those jokes now, and it's. It's sad because it, yeah. It's it's sad because it, it almost 
the impact of him going into the Hall of Fame is is reduced now. I think. Yeah. Because I, of, I agree. Because of you can't have that joking factor or him having the speech or anything like that that you would normally get with one of these great, great like greatest of all time basketball players going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. Like you, you just don't get that part now, and it's basically just gonna be a plaque and it's just not the same and uh, it's it sucks because he was one of the greatest to ever do it and it he deserved his time to shine post career yeah going into the hall of fame so yeah it's our words will never do it justice no as, as much as we try um We've. This is the. This is the biggest legacy in our generation to pass early. I think, as big as Doc Holliday was, when it comes to sports. No, Doc. Doc was. Doc was Canada, right? Doc was Canada, Philly, and Florida. Yeah, but That's it. Kobe was. Kobe the was world, world basically. Yeah, it's world. And it was one of those. It's it's. No offense to Doc, it's just not on the same level. No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not even close. Um, and Kobe had so much else going for him after. Like, he, he's obviously now in movies and stuff. Like, directing and producing movies. He wanted to do that. And he was a dad. So f- and he just had a brand new daughter. In the summer, yeah. yeah. Now, that, that doesn't change anything when his daughters were born but he was a father and, it, and by the sounds of it he was a pretty doting father I mean he apparently he he loved having daughters and didn't want a son and he said daughters are so much better and all kind of stuff and it was it's it's amazing how like you look at his intensity and everything on the court but then off the court he's like the nicest dad and uh, does everything for his daughters and it was just it was amazing to see that and it's terrible that I got taken away from them and him so soon that they don't get to have those moments that they had before and it his his new you know baby daughter is not going to have that opportunity to you know the same opportunities that the other daughters had right and it's it's tough in that aspect to actually put that into perspective yeah. and as you said our words aren't going aren't, aren't gonna to mean anything really but other than you know Rest in peace, and we, you know, we'll see you on the other side, right? That's. Everyone, you've been quiet, buddy. Everything okay? I have. Sorry, you guys keep freezing over because of my internet. But, um, no, you're right. There's no words to say it. And Kenny the Jet Smith uh, said that you know Kobe's legacy as a basketball player on the court was phenomenal, but then his, um. His legacy as a father is what's defined him over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, going back to the fact that, you know, he was, like, happy about having daughters, he, he someone asked him in an interview, what about, um, like, you don't have a son anymore to carry your basketball legacy. And Gigi goes, no, man, I got this. So um, the legacy that these two have built or, you know, we're trying to build is just commendable. But there's no words to define how much he means to the basketball world. Yeah, no, it's it's true, and it's tough. And I mean, we lost a very good icon. We got 
you know, we lost the hero in a lot of people's eyes. And, yeah. um, you know, like Kyle said, just we pray for all the souls that were a part of it, not just Kobe mm-hmm. and yeah. Gigi, but everybody that was involved in that crash. Nine names that we will, that we have to remember. Mm-hmm. That we're all gone too soon. Yeah. And I think we've we've said everything that we can. And we will always remember Kobe as the basketball legend, the father that he was. And I think that's what, that's the key. Everything that happened in his life, you can't forget any of it. But we, he will be remembered for being the icon that he was. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> you don't have to add anything else to his legacy because his legacy is people crump up a piece of paper and they yell Kobe trying to shoot into a bat into a garbage can like that's that's his legacy on everybody and his like there's there's not there's nobody else that has that not and really. it, that just shows the impact to put it into perspective like re- really put it into perspective he doesn't have the most points in NBA history no if you said who's the best basketball player in NBA history would you say Kobe no no but that, that's how crazy his legacy is. Yeah. He's not the best basketball player in NBA history. It's going to be Jordan or LeBron. Or possibly Wilt. Yeah, or right? yeah. Like there's, there's a couple other players ahead of Kobe. And yet, when people shoot like a stupid downtown three or a piece of paper into a garbage can, they yell Kobe. They don't yell yeah. LeBron. They don't yell Jordan. They don't yell Wilt. They yell Kobe. Right? You think of Killer Instinct and you think of putting everything on the line. The images of the Achilles tear and then going to take shots. Yeah. Right? The uh, the back talk with him and Shaq. The videos that are coming out of him and Kyrie at the U.S. training camp where Kyrie just came out of university and he challenged Kobe one-on-one and Kobe said, you're still a kid. Yeah. I'll take your money, but you're still a kid. Like that that legacy of who he was was is just so deep. And th- th- there's no words that anyone can really say. As well as LeBron did yesterday. He, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kobe can't. became part of the brand. He, he, be, he became the brand for a while, right? Yeah. And, oh, and yesterday was the first time ever that LeBron has worn shoes that were not LeBron's shoes. Yeah. And it's, I just put that in perspective, like he literally dropped his own shoe to put on Kobe's and use those. And I think we're all going to have a lasting image of the aftermath. Yep. Right? Everyone will. Um, I'm going to share mine because it, it hit me hard. And it wasn't of Kobe and it wasn't of Gianna and it wasn't of any of the like big names that you'd think it was Quinn Cook. There's an image of Quinn Cook standing outside the Staples Center in a Kobe jersey. For those of you who don't know, he, he's a Laker player now. He played for the Warriors, I think, last year, right? And he grew up being a fan of Kobe. He's just outside the Staples Center staring up. 
not not talking to anyone. No one is around him even trying to talk to him. An NBA player in L.A. who plays for the Lakers is just standing outside of Staples Center. No one is talking to him. And he's just staring up with this absolute look of shock on his face. That image will be the image for me in the aftermath. And we're all going to have our own. And if you guys want, you're more than welcome to share now. But that that one will stick with me. And that one will hurt for a long time. Yeah. It just, for me, it, I, I keep, you know, of course I don't want to discount the other, you know, seven names and stuff like no. that. But um, just all the pictures of him, Kobe and his daughter. And it's yeah. just to know that they were both taken and they're like, that she didn't get to live her full life. And yeah. apparently she was even better than he was at basketball. And she yeah. was 13 years old or and it was just one of those. It's, it's terrible. And that's, it's going to, it's going to hurt for a while. Right. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And it's, I, I can't imagine what the families are going through. Like it's yeah, Vanessa Bryant, like just like, it's the sh- pure shock factor. And like, I know we've touched on this enough, I know, but it's just his legacy will, I don't think it'll ever die. I think it'll just keep, can keep going. Yeah. And no, I don't think it will. And and I think I'm going to just quickly add to that is, you know, Kobe was talent and hard work together. He just wasn't running on talent. He yeah. was talent and hard work. And I oh, think yeah. that really stands out. Um, and I think the moment that I think I'd share is, uh, it was really tough seeing Doc Rivers. Uh, do his yeah. speech there and I was like that's kind of when it hit me like I saw the the 24 second violations between the Spurs and the Raptors and I was like okay that's still a thing right and then when you see Doc's interviewer uh, pregame interview I was just like yo I can't like this is this is rough but um, I think he summarized it really well he's like we got to do a business we got to keep going but we're not going to forget the legacy of a fantastic athlete and um a guy who's been so influential for not just the united states and canada but you know worldwide no and that was that was the toughest speech i saw for sure mm-hmm. was the doc one um yeah it's it's tough it's it's been a rough week for sure across the sporting world you can see people it wasn't just basketball. No, like you exactly. look, look at Ovi or Kobe Bryant jersey during a warm-up, right? Yeah. It, his it, it crosses all sports, all avenues of life, and it it's it's one of those. It it's a heavy it's a heavy hit for sure. Yeah. So I think. I think we'll 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 end it there. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Kobe at some point in the future, just because of who we are and the legacy that he's going to have on this season as a whole. Um, But we'll, we'll end it there. So we want to thank everyone for listening. We hope we did Kobe justice with our words. I know there's no way we really can, but we did, we did our best. Um, Any last thoughts there, Kyle? No, just all nine victims. Um, My prayers and condolences go out to all their families. And um, just rest in peace. Irfan? Same sentiment as Kyle. Um, love to the families. Yeah. And uh, that goes for everyone here. And it's it's been tough. And 
I, I have no more words. So yeah. we'll, we'll just end it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, and we will see you next week.